Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility. And through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off topic. And hey guys, just a quick note that we recorded this podcast before we rebranded our company from iHealth Saunas to Found Space. So if you hear any references of iHealth Saunas, that's why. Today, I'm talking with Yoko Inu. Yoko is the founder of Shoku Iku, a once popular raw food cafe turned raw food and specialist herbal supply business based out of Melbourne. In this podcast, we get quite specific with some lesser known herbs such as Gynostemma and Shizandra. We talk about how to safely get started in herbalism, using the Eastern philosophy of yin and yang to make better decisions in life, some of the benefits of eating raw foods, how to better develop our intuition, and much more. Yoko shared a beautiful balanced energy whilst we chatted. And so I give you Yoko Inu. Yoko, thanks for coming on the podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. I'm so glad to be here, Alex. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff to talk about today, but uh, to start, what is the sweatiest you've ever been? Um, great, because I knew that this question was going to come. So I'm kind of prepared. <laughs> Um, I do have an infrared sauna at home. So probably that um, when I was getting really sweaty in my sauna. Um, I do this protocol maybe about three, three, four times a year, which is like really high dose of niacin. I don't know if you've, you've done that yet. Yeah, I've heard about that, but I've never done it. Tell me a bit more about what that's like. Yes, yeah, so I think the last time I did that was, I think, end of December. And I usually just like, um, just I don't really have a set time or anything like that. It's just more of that, like, I feel like my body needs it. And then I do that. Um, so, end of last year. So, I, so, what you do is to just take a high dose of niacin. But I usually start with about 250. So, 250 is about the daily dose of niacin. Niacin is a vitamin B3. Is that milligrams? Yeah, milligrams. And then I'll be that, build it up to about 1500. So it's, it's a high dose. Um, but you just do it slowly because your body will get used to, used to the dose. And you take it and, and then get into the sauna and you just sweat like, like crazy. But you have to make sure that, um, that niacin or vitamin B3 is not the time release one. It has to be the, uh, the flushing type. So you get super uncomfortable, <laughs> like you get itchy and you get like really red, like all of the body. But um, apparently that's one of the most powerful way to detox your heavy metals and, and your things like that. So um, yeah, I get so much out of it. It's, it's amazing. You feel so great after. And I usually just finish off with either, you know, like dry brushing the skin if it's not too, too tingly and then have a cold shower. And then if I finish off with maybe taking either zeolites or charcoal or something like that as well. Your skin would be looking amazing after that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Yeah, and because you're actually stimulating the skin, the pores and all that stuff too. So it's great for your skin, like even helping to um, produce collagen and, you know, all that stuff too. But yeah, detox uh, properties, are yeah, the benefit's amazing from that. It's nice and also like, does it, I can't remember exactly how it works. Is it kind of like flush blood to the skin or is it? Yeah. Before, yeah, okay. Yeah, to the undersurface um, of the skin. Mm. And it helps to move the toxins as well, so that's why it's a bit, why it's so powerful. Mm. I um I was listening to a, a body hacking, um, a biohacking guy recently. I can't recall his name, and and he was talking about that. Did you kind of get into that sort of biohacking world a little bit when you were learning about those things? Yeah, um, I don't really think this is biohacking. I mean, I when I hear a word biohacking it's more of like a kind of crazy stuff like you know some people even put like compass or something in the in the body or you know that sort of thing that's pretty crazy but this is just I just see it as like a health protocol um yeah but it's really interesting the biohacking world for sure yeah, it can. Um, I know what you mean. It can get a bit extreme sometimes. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I I love, as you know, I love um, ancient, like traditional, um, you know, health kind of, you know, approach. But also, I'm fascinated by this kind of modern technology, and. Um, I don't usually take isolated compounds, you know, even like vitamin C or, you know, vitamin Bs or I tend to take all these nutrients through like real food and, you know, different herbs and stuff like that. But when we are talking about more modern science and, you know, this way of things, you do go for, you know, isolated compounds, which is quite fascinating too. Mm. Yeah. Is the reason, what's the reason that you don't typically go for isolated compounds? I just don't see it as, um, like, I always wonder, like, does body actually recognize that compounds just on its own? Um, and I don't know, I think humans, <laughs> we think we're smarter than the nature. <laughs> and we're kind of trying to, I don't know, do something. But it's, it's fun. It's just a journey. And we kind of experiment with that and all that stuff. And, I mean, you can take it like medicinally maybe for short term but um yeah it's just not something that like my I'm, I'm drawn to really yeah i think it's a really valid point you know i think there's a there's a macro I, I think about it as in like there's a macro and a micro of health right so oftentimes when we get into the science articles we can really drill down and we oh, okay i'm gonna take this nice and then it's gonna have this reaction and then this will happen and it's a real like cause effect way at looking at health and i think i think that there's a purpose for that however we have to zoom out and look at the macro of health and look at the whole holistic approach um, and really understand that, um, yeah, sometimes taking things in, um, you know, as like as just one compound, I think we, we don't really know the true effects of that. Does the body recognize it? Is it causing other, uh, you know, reactions within the body that we aren't aware or when, you know, the, the science uh, people weren't studying at the time because they were just focusing on one one reaction or something like that. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, different compounds react differently, like together, like what sometimes it works in synergy. So I think, you know, when we when we go on to talk about, you know, different herbs and stuff like that and why I choose um, 
you know, like my extract, extraction methods and stuff like that. And that's, that's the core of it. Um, like the herbs should be um, consumed in more of a holistic way, not just looking for uh, active ingredients like polysaccharides. I mean, they're all exciting things and there's heaps of research behind it. But I think when it comes to especially like traditional herbs and stuff like that, then I usually like to take it in as like natural form as as possible. Mm, yeah. can also be more fun that way as well. I think so. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is just going straight to the herbalism, but um, there's like there's a wisdom, you know, around herbs. It's not the health benefits. Of course, they're like different compounds that we are looking for. But I always believe that when you consume herbs, there's some sort of teaching and wisdom around it. So if you're concentrating things too much, if you're isolating the compounds too much. You might be like upgrading that those compounds, but you're losing that wisdom in the teaching. Um, that's that's how I see things, anyway. Yeah, that's fascinating, actually. Um, how do you kind of learn the wisdom of herbs? You know, you've you've done um, kind of extensive research, I guess, and, and learnings about those things. Um, how do you kind of like? Is it something that you kind of tap into, or is it something that you just kind of learn over time through using them? Uh, you have to use it like you, you can't just read about it and know and um you know i think as you're more sensitive to different energies and you're more in tune with your body then you will start feeling that and it's, it's not something that i think people can just read and like learn about it you just have to experiment and you you feel it like um you know, some beautiful herbs like reishi, you know, or like gynostema, you, when you, when you even meditate and you take it or in empty stomach, we've been fasting for a couple of days and you take things like that and you feel that just coming in and you feel that like groundness and like spiritual energy from it. And that's why it's so important to choose something that's like really high quality and having that respect for the herbs. I mean, you know, medicinal mushrooms and all that stuff has been so like, it's been popular, you know, everyone's been talking about it and that's a really great thing. But then like, are we actually respecting their culture and tradition? Um, yeah, I'm excited about the movement, but also I, I think this is really important um, to understand like where the herbs come from and, um, how much are we uh, like? We need to look after them to to be able to get that um, return. Is kind of in the in the wrong wrong way of saying it, but you know, like for example, like you know, because medicinal mushroom has been so popular, those wild mushroom has been overtaken from the forest, you know, and so so like I'm working with a supplier who actually respect those things. So when they go into the forest and get uh, wild harvested shaga, they don't take the whole thing, you know, they just leave some of it behind. And like, do people actually understand that sort of thing? Um, yeah, it kind of makes me wonder. And I really hope that we are actually starting to talk about that side of thing not so much the health benefit of things but just more of that like respect and intuitive and consciously consuming these herbs and I think when you're open to that sort of things then you 
I think you get more benefit and you have that conversation with the herbs and you're drawn to certain things. And that's how you kind of learn to navigate the overwhelm. I think when people start to, you know, get into this kind of thing, it's like, where, where do I start? Like how, like which one to start? And it's good to just start with like one or two that you're drawn to. And I do believe that when you're like drawn to something, then maybe the, those herbs are actually communicating with you, you know, and then you start with that and you, you become more intuitive and you become more sensitive and you're grateful, you know, for the benefits that you're getting and then you start exploring more. Um, so I think it's a, it's a great cycle, I think, if you, when you think about it that way. Yeah, I I love that, you know, even just respect in the way that we the eat, you know, and consume, like you said, you know, when you cut up a piece of papaya, which a lot of my listeners by now probably know I like a lot, you know, <laughs> there, there is like when, when you, you, you really, you've got it in front of you and you cut it up and you scrape the seeds out and maybe you take the time to cut the skin off and you cut it up into little pieces and then you put it in a bowl and then you look at it and you smell it into your being and then you you look at it and you think, oh, what does this look like, you know, and you think about it growing on the tree and then you think about how it started small and it got bigger and now it's this orange thing and it smells so fruity and then you just take a little bite and you just let it melt in your mouth and you feel the sensation of it going through your body and it's oh like, my god! It's, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's conscious consumption, and I find like when I properly do that, uh, I eat less, I enjoy it more, you know. And the other important thing there is that it does have to be high quality because w- when it is high quality, in this case, organic, or you know, if we're talking about medicinal mushrooms or herbs, you know, it's it's sourced from somewhere that's sustainable and the plants treated with respect like all these things influence the final experience when you're consuming it and you know you sit there and you've got this organic papaya there and it's just the, the depth of flavor you know i love fruit because every piece of fruit tastes different you know you can have two papayas next to each other they're completely different you know mm. and and there's this complexity to it and there's and there's this um satiety to it which you just don't get if you're just like cutting a piece of fruit smashing it down you know it's from woolies you know which is okay if 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 um if that's where you're at but i i think it's the same thing uh, perhaps even more so with uh herbalism i would imagine because these plants are quite delicate and they're quite powerful right like they're they have medicinal properties and they can really have a big effect on our overall physiology uh, i imagine it would be even more important to make sure they're cultivated correctly and really looked after and respected so the end user gets that full experience that they can offer. Yeah, of course. And then I think it's important to do some research and just knowing, I mean, like I'm a big fan of, you know, like including herbs and stuff like that in the culinary sense, uh, you know, making bliss balls and cakes and stuff like that with with herbs or making smoothies and adding astragalus and cisandra and things like that. And it's all fun and it's creative. And I do that all the time. I've got, you know, functional foods that contain all of that, but that the most beneficial way to consume, consume these herbs is just to make tea, you know, just with hot water. So you're actually tasting the herbs. That's why I don't, I don't do capsules. I just, uh, I mean, of course there, there's a place for it. And if people don't like the taste and stuff like that, then I get it. 
But when you taste food and herbs, it just, it's a different experience. That's the, that's the communication that I'm talking about, you know? So just like having just tea with like hot water, that I think that's, that's the best way for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There's a purity to that, you know, there's, it's just the, uh, the raw experience of whatever it is that you're consuming. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I love that. How did you actually get into herbalism? Like, when did it all begin for you? So, um, when I just go back <laughs> a long time ago, <laughs> a long time, um, I suppose I started becoming more interested in health and wellness when I got pregnant. So, that was about, that was 18 years ago. Um, so, I kind of started experiencing with, experimenting with like healthy eating. And back then, that was like, Low fat, <laughs> you know, right, like, yeah. low fat cottage Healthy cheese, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and crackers, I suppose, like <laughs> whole wheat crackers. Um, but then I um, started getting into macrobiotic. So, if anyone like doesn't really know what that means, um, macrobiotic is more of like a lifestyle choice and philosophy around food, as well as like quite woo-woo stuff like cosmos and universe, you know, all that stuff. So we talk a lot about energy of food, yin and yang. Um, Of course, there's like an eating guideline, which is mostly plant-based, but, you know, it's not like veganism or plant-based or paleo or anything like this. It's that they don't say this is bad or this is bad. There's, There's no bad food or good food. It is more that we have to, what they say, that the teaching is more of that understanding of the energy of energetic of the food. So, for example, like animal food contains a lot of energy, like it's more yang, it's more contractive, it's more aggressive, it's more masculine energy. But then when you compare, like, say, um, fruit, it's more yin, it's more watery, more feminine, more expansive energy. It's not that, like, you... You can't say, oh, this is yang and this is yang. It's more of the comparison. So, for example, I say if you're comparing chicken and carrot, then carrot will be more yang because it's more it's vegetables, less dense. Um, but then when you're comparing carrot to, say, um, lettuce, lettuce will be more yang because it's more... Uh, more light because I suppose carrot is a root vegetable, so it's more concentrated in energy and lettuce um, grows upwards, you know, so that's more expensive. And that applies to, you know, the food that you eat, the feelings that you get, the conversation that you have, the thoughts that you have, you know, everything is energy, I suppose, if you, you know, if you believe that. So when you, when you consume food or your thoughts and all these things, it becomes part of you and it changes the state of mind. Um, so what macrobiotic teaching recommends is to have more kind of neutral way of living. So, you know, like say, um, a lot of Zen Buddhism talk quite a lot about that, like extreme happiness or extreme sadness or extreme aggressiveness. It's not, it's not recommended. You want to be more stable and calm. So with macrobiotic, it's kind of a similar idea. Like you don't want to have extreme yin or extreme yang. Um, so when you start kind of thinking that, it's quite interesting, like how even without us knowing about those energies, we kind of tend to do that when you're actually in tune. Like, 
For example, when you're um, really stressed, like straight after work, your energy is really young, like it's really contracted. You're, you know, um, you're quite aggressive. You've got this masculine energy. And what you want to do is to relax. And what you reach out for would be something like a glass of wine, right? Or like a piece of chocolate cake, because there's so more yin. Um, so your body is kind of like under, your body is trying to balance itself without us kind of knowing. But then when you're talking about, it's, it's like seesaw, if you do extreme yang and a yin and all the time, the things will start breaking. So it's, it's okay to, it's, it's the most important thing is to be, to, to know like your state of mind, like you realize, okay, you're really contracted, you're like stressed. So are you going to go for one glass of wine or are you going to go for two and three, you know? And are you going to go for refined sugar chocolate cake or are you going to go for like cake that's made with like whole food and natural sugar or dates or just fruit? Or are you just going to not go for the food to expand your energy and relax? Or are you going to do maybe some other, you know, way of relaxing, like self-care, meditation, having a bath? You know, I think when you start just like just stopping and then just decide consciously, and it's okay to have like cakes if that's what you choose to do, but then there's it's always like whatever you do is energetic and there's consequences. And I think when you start like living like that, then um, you're not like, just living mindlessly and that applies to any food. So I love this concept of macrobiotic um, that there's no good food or bad food. It's just more of like eating consciously and the nature or like everything we consume is one, like we are nature. Um, so that's kind of, how I started getting into this like energies and herbs and like, um, I suppose food as medicine kind of thing. Um, so I kind of got into that and then I wanted to learn more about it. So I studied holistic nutrition and one of the thesis that I had to write was on raw food. So even though macrobiotics diet is quite different from raw food, most of the, um, the meals are cooked in macrobiotic. Um, but when I started eating raw food, just like my state of energy just changed. My energy was like so much better. My mood was better. And I'm not saying macrobiotic was bad. It's just different phase of life, you know, and that's important too. That's wrong. Like when you are intuitive and we understand that the inner body changes, you know, and your lifestyle changes. And you have to be, I think, open-minded enough to be able to be flexible and adapt to different situations and your diet might change. Um, so that's how I kind of got on to raw food. And um, to kind of complement that as well, and, you know, I have a Japanese background, so... Um, you know, kind of used to, I, I grew up with this concept of, you know, Eastern medicine and having herbs in, you know, in the diet and mushrooms in the diet. So it wasn't really foreign to me. So I was kind of using herbalism, like in making a lot of different teas, medicinal teas, um, broth, and then having raw food at the same time. And I think it's a really good, great combination because again, like raw food can be really yin. And 
um, makes people cold as well, especially like when you were living in, in, in a place like Melbourne. <laughs> um, so it's just good to have something that um, that's warming to the body, which is tea, and just kind of uh, removing the dampness um, in, in the spleen and helping with the digestion and your chi, your prana um, as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, also when you're eating raw, you're – you're at a higher level of energy and your body is a bit cleaner too. And so I find oh, the effects yeah. of uh, herbs uh, more noticeable. Yeah, oh, can- definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I think you get super intuitive and you get really sensitive. And that's what I love about raw food as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I can't just say raw food did that, but I definitely became more like wanting to explore spirituality, you know, um, with while eating raw food for sure yeah it uh it opens up your consciousness you know Mm. um i don't know how however else to describe that um can we talk a little bit more about um yin and yang and what are the typical uh i guess properties that um would be associated with one or the other yeah sure so i mean yin food well yin Yen would be more expansive, more feminine, more soft, more watery, watery energy. Um, so yen food would be, you know, vegetables, fruit. And, I mean, it's a different level, I suppose, of the yen. But, yeah, mostly vegetables, fruit. Um, but extreme, extreme yen would be refined sugar and dairy. Um, and then yang food would be more um, towards animal food and really salty, salty food. Um, and neutral food would be more like legumes, grain, you know, that sort of thing. And that's why macrobiotic, they do a lot of grain and legumes and a little bit more seaweed for seaweed and natural salt for yang and, and heaps of vegetables, I suppose, for more yin. Um and they do. They don't really usually do nightshades, um, vegetables, or um, yeah, like extreme extreme foods might not be uh, recommended, like you know, animal foods or uh, refined sugar, refined flour. But then you know, um, it's it's quite like interesting, like how so you know we're talking about so there's no food that's good or bad. Like you can kind of change the state of mind eating that sort of food so you might consciously choose that and especially like for me because I live in this like busy modern you know society in this I live in a city and I run a business like I'm a single mom <laughs> so like my life is quite young and I kind of tend to get really contracted and I'm kind of on the go all the time so I think that's why like raw food is really beneficial for me because it's a bit more yang and a bit more like relaxing and expensive and more has that more kind of feminine energy that I need. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how, how I see it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And I like how you've kind of likened it to um, other areas of your life too. You know, f- for me, it's always about like yang is like the doing, you know, going forth and taking action and that sort of thing. And uh, for a long time, I struggled with that because that's all I was doing. I was mm. just, 
I was working every day. I was having coffee. I was getting shit done, you know, yeah. like that, yeah. that whole yeah. uh, entrepreneurial mentality, if you will, business owner mentality. And I, I, I wasn't balancing that out, you know. I was, I was running in the morning. I was just doing stuff, you know. I was in that phase of my life. And, and you know, you just – yeah, you just feel like you're just kind of constantly on the treadmill and I, I, I wasn't meditating and I wasn't taking baths or having, um, you know, even a sauna at a low temperature, like don't cook yourself, you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't taking that time. I wasn't, you know, reading a book or, or just sitting in silence and staring at a tree, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's really important, you know, because, we need balance. We need to find this balance in our health. Otherwise, we can end up with issues. And I love uh, the yin and the yang for that because it's a perfect way to explain that. And, and I'm not trained in, um, you know, uh, Eastern philosophy or anything like that, but that's how I kind of see and perceive it. And um, I'm curious, like, do you, do you, are you conscious during the day as to, you, the activities you're doing and thinking, oh, I might need some more yin things when I get home or I've been doing yin activities all day, like I need to balance that out with some yang. Do you think about it in that way? Yeah, I suppose I do. But, I mean, I don't, um, I don't like, say, oh, I'm just so yin right now, but I would just be like, I'm just, just been too much, like, chilling, like, right now. So I feel like I need to get up and move. And I think it's just all about your, um, like your body communicating. So you need to, like, you need to have that, you need to have that training to listen, listen to your body. Um, but then I do kind of stop, like, when I'm kind of reaching out, out, something out of habit. I'm like, I'm super healthy. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, um, I'm, you know, like, like the way I eat and the, the lifestyle um, is pretty healthy. But then now and then I kind of have an urge to do something out of my habit. <laughs> so that that's like that, that's when I like really stop and think, okay, so what state am I in? You know, and then so uh, maybe I need this instead instead of reaching out to that sort of thing. There's just that like stopping to see like where I am, what state I am, or yin or yang, or any other way. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Like when you when you notice that you're kind of like lashing out for something. Um, yeah. Take yeah. stock of that and think, okay, hold on a second here. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's going, really on? going on? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. No, I like that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the specific um, herbs that you talk about. You know, I've seen you talk about astragalus and gynostemma and some of these things are even foreign to me. Maybe we could talk a little bit more about those and how to kind of use them. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, all the products that I carry are usually tonic herbs or some like herbs that are quite safe to use for general health. And of course, it's not uh, it's not for everyone. Um, but um, like the main herbs that I would probably, I mean, it depends on what you're working on. Like when people ask me, like, where, where do I start? Like, what do you, what do I start? Then we, you know, usually talk about. Um, I think you're quite familiar with that street treasure. You know, like a jing, chi. Sham. So, Jing is more of the primal energy in, in kidneys. So, when you're working on more like anti-aging, kind of longevity, that sort of thing, then I might recommend 
uh, more jing, um, jing um, based uh, herbs. And but if you're want wanting more of the prana chi in your digestion, your um, respiratory system, then I might recommend something more chi, which is or immunity. That's more chi. So that's astragalus, um, Siberian ginseng, you know things like that. Um, and then if you want to move on to more shem, uh, this more spiritual energy, then I might um, give you. Uh, even like poria, polygala, um, you know, um, even asparagus roots, um, things like that. But if you're not really sure, <laughs> then you could even go for more of the adaptogenic herbs. So adaptogens, so they are the herbs that will help your body adapt to different stresses. So it can be a stress, like physical stress, it can be emotional stress, it can be like spiritual, you know, spirituality stress. <laughs> Whatever that is, that will kind of help you bring into your homeostasis. So, there's not many adaptogens in the world, but the basic one, I would say, like gynostema, even holy basil, which is the like an Indian tea herb. It's really easy to take. Um, rhodiola, uh, medicinal mushrooms like reishi, cisandro is one. Um, so, adaptogens are really like good way to maybe start because it can kind of do so many different things. Um, but again, it's not for everyone. Like for example, rhodiola is supposed to be so amazing, like adaptogens, but every time I try to take it, I get nauseous. Like I get, I feel really sick, you know? So you do, you still have to do a small dose to start and just to see how your body is going and it don't get hung up on just like one thing, just because everyone says this, says this is great. It might not be good for you. It's just move on and just try another thing. So there's so many different herbs that will be more suitable. Like some people don't even do reishi, even though reishi is like, you know, like everyone's like, Oh my God, I love reishi. But you know, for some people it might not work and it's just, it's, it's okay. It doesn't work. It's not, you know, it's nothing wrong. We just move on to another one that's, that's calling your name. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. What, um, what actually is gynostema? Cause I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Gynostema is like, I'm sure you've like heard me going on about it on Instagram, but <laughs> I love this herb. Um, gynostema is like, it tastes like a tea, but it's no caffeine, but it's a plant. Um, so you just, I drink it as, um, as a tea. Um, it's, it's an adaptogen, but it's not really a, a really, um, the herb that has been used for a long time. It's in a fork herb. And what, how they found it is that the bunch of Japanese, uh, companies, they wanted to find something similar to stevia. So it's like a sugar alternative. And they went to this part of China and they found that those people who are living in that, in the area was like living so much longer, like really healthy. And they um, tested uh, gynostema, not just the sweetener, but for the medicinal properties. And they found that they act like uh, ginseng. You know, they got the similar compounds to um, ginseng. And um, yeah, and they just, they found so many like health benefits. Um, but it just, like, just tastes so much. Mm. Is it a, um, is it like the leaf or is it the root? It's a leaf. Yeah. It's a five leaf. So you can find three, five or 
three or five leaf uh, gynostema, but I always go for the gynost- uh, five leaf gynostema. And, you know, like how my supplier harvest is just only like once a year because a lot of places, and I think in you know, a different herbs as well, but um, you can harvest more than once a year, but, you know, it kind of drops the medicinal property of the gynostema. So, I mean, again, we're going back to the quality and like how knowledgeable your supplier is and how knowledgeable and respectful the farmers are, you know. Um, but yeah, God, gynostema is just so amazing. Like every time, you can have it anytime. It's energizing, but it's calming at the same time, you know, and it brings your, um, say because it is adaption so if you're overweight and it will help your um help your body become more stable in, in weight or if you're underweight it might bring it up to the normal level you know just that sort of like intelligence in in gynostema um is just yeah just so beautiful yeah wow <laughs> it's I, I guess it just shows the power of adaptogens right and how they work in the body they can really help us find a state of homeostasis yeah and but i mean all not not all adaptogens are the same like we're talking about yeah so homeostasis but some adaptogens are more energizing like ginseng you know ginseng are adaptogens but they can be quite stimulating you know but reishi can be more calming you know, so you do have to kind of find the one that suits you and suits your lifestyle. And you do have to have that knowledge still, even though adaptations are great for so many people. Like when you take ginseng, and there's so many different uh, types of ginseng too. But if you take Korean ginseng, it's like so fiery and so hot. So if your um, constitution is hot already, it's going to be like, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to create imbalance. Right. Um, yeah. So you do kind of have to understand like herbalism is really fun and you want to experiment, but then you, again, like you're just going back to the respect of knowledge of like what you're taking is important too. Yeah. Mm. Um, you talk a, a bit about uh, fire uh, and earlier you mentioned dampness, which I found uh, quite funny given you were referring to Melbourne and the coldness because it can be quite damp. Uh, what, uh, what, what's actually going on there? Is that a, that's a Eastern uh, traditional Chinese medicine thing, right? Where we have like dampness and heat. Um, what, what are you referring to there? Yeah. So a lot of Eastern um, philosophies, they recommend cooking all the food because of that, I think. Um because I mean, they believe, and I also do believe that when you consume food, you have your digestion should be fiery and dry to be able to cook your food. You know, so um, I kind of get that philosophy as well. Um, but I mean, there's so many ways to because I think I've found like raw food so beneficial for my moods, for my en- you know, for enzymes. Um, and the vibration of the food is just so different from cooked food. Um, so I kind of complement um, that with making tea, but especially tea that disperses that dampness from the spleen and fires your digestion up. So even if you're not talking about medicinal herbs, you can uh, add um, different spices into your, into your diet, like cinnamon, the black pepper, ginger, tiny bit of chili um when you have like chili is hot and it's got creates heat but when you consume too much heat or too much 
chili actually cools you down. So you kind of have to kind of um, be careful with the amount of the chili that you use. But even ginger, like de- depending on like how it's been processed, um, the heat, um, the fire, the level of the fire changes as well. So if you have raw ginger compared to uh, roasted ginger or deep fried ginger, the, the fireness, the, the hotness is quite different. Um, or um, like other Indian herbs like cardamom, um, you know, fennel, they all like work to kind of dry your um, digestive system, his up your digestive system. So it might be a good idea to include something like that when you're, you know, when you're eating a lot of raw food, especially in, in winter and when you're consuming a lot of yin, yin food and also the herbs to look out for because of that. I love these herbs is white attractylose. That's if you're eating like raw food, white attractylose is like your best friend. <laughs> what is um, that? Um, this is, it's like a, well, it's, it's like another Chinese herbs, but it's known to like disperse dampness from, uh, from your spleen. Um, and also like taking more chew herbs, like astragalus is great, um, because that works on your immunity and digestion. And also poria is, uh, is another one that's good for digestion. So poria is another, like another mushroom. Yeah. Okay. And so when you're talking about, um, dampness we can have heat we can have dampness what else can we have and and how do you kind of find out <laughs> where you're actually sitting with those things like these yeah i mean you can get it checked i suppose but then you can just go through a really like simple uh questions to yourself like say when you go to the toilet like what's your uh, bowel movement like like is it dry like is it you know what i mean <laughs> dry or is it more runny and then that kind of gives you that idea um, like candida issues, yeast infection, and um, that will kind of sh- it will show you like how damp you are as well. And the coating on in the tongue, like if you've got that white coating, then you might be a bit more damp too. Um, or do you get swelling? You know, um, so that means I suppose it's something to do with your circulation too, but it might in circulation as well as your kidney. But then that might be, you know, your dampness uh, might be affecting as well. So it's different way of feeling it. But I think the best way is to just check your bowel movement. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, critically important. And you, uh, this is one podcast where you don't need to worry about talking about poo because <laughs> yeah, okay, great. we're talking about health. <laughs> like yeah. you kind of have to talk about poo at some stage, you know. Yeah, um, great. Because it's it's a really good signal, you know, uh, and and just as um, just as our pee and even our our sweat too, like we can learn, our body's giving us all these signals, you know, and we can learn so much, um, you know. Just last week, I finished reading a book by uh, Arnold Errett, Rational Fasting, and he talks about the hairs on our body being the chimneys, you know, and so if our hairs are smelling, that's because we're putting off all of this gas of crap essentially that's in our body yeah 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 that makes sense though totally yeah and so all of these things are data for us to assess the quality of our health you know certainly our stool um that tells us a lot right and same with our pee so it's uh it's a really valuable point um I'm curious as to uh you talked a little bit about raw food earlier how did you find your way into raw food 
uh, and like, how did you develop your passion for it the way that you have? Because I guess the the side note here is for everyone listening, Yoko makes the most amazing raw food. Like it is, if you think, if you hear raw food and you think that just sounds cold and miserable, uh, <laughs> if, if you're in Melbourne, you're lucky, uh, check out Shoku Iku. Um, we'll link it at the end of the podcast because your food is amazing at showing people, hey, raw food can be incredible. It can be flavorsome. It doesn't have to be cold necessarily and you can really recreate anything and i think it's a great um i guess way that you've you've kind of shown your 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 fascination i guess in raw food and um, i'm just curious as to how you kind of got on that journey yeah so as i said i kind of tried it just for as a, a curiosity so when i tried it that was maybe like 15 years ago and not many people in melbourne or australia kind of knew what raw food was um, but I think it was kind of started to take off in US. So I was just kind of curious to why everyone was talking about it overseas. Um, so I kind of tried it and then my energy was just, just so different. My skin was different. Um, and I just, I just felt happier. <laughs> like, yeah. So that's kind of how I got into the basics of raw foods. And I, um, I'm, I, a quite creative person and I think these days that's how I express my creativity and a lot of people say raw food oh my god it's like it's a limit it's like a vegan is like hard enough you know but like, there's so much limitation but I don't see it that way like I see it as like the opportunity to be more even me be more creative and I just love that um, aspect of okay I can't I might not use this but how what can I use and just the I don't know the challenge of like creating something really beautiful with limited ingredients and limited cooking techniques was just like was just so exciting to me um, you know like you go to a cafe and you order a vegan food and it's like Post with avocado. It's like how, like, not inspirational is that? Um, so I think that was the challenge that I, that I really enjoyed, and I feel like that's my preferred way of eating, not just for my health, but just the taste and, uh, yeah, just um, the just the taste of the real food just comes through so much more. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into got into raw food. Yeah, and so is it like? Uh, I think it's really important when we talk about food to not um, get dogmatic, and I've certainly been uh, guilty of that in the past, where um, I start eating a certain way, and I'm like, "This is it, <laughs> I have to," eat, you know, and that's yeah. somewhat detrimental uh, over time. And so, how do you kind of balance understanding that? When we eat raw, we're getting live enzymes and the benefits are there. We feel better, taste better. But how do you kind of balance that with also living in 2021, living in... Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I think this is my preferred like way of eating. And I do that when I cook for myself and I just, I just do that. But then when I go out <laughs> or when my friends cook me dinner, I don't like... <laughs> so, okay, so is this raw or is this organic? I because food is more than what you're consuming, right? You're consuming with friends you love and just the energy that you're creating with your 
you know, with your, with your community. And, and so for me, that's more, that's more important than anything else. Um, there are some food that I just don't touch. Um, I don't like, like deep fried food and, you know, things like that. And I don't really do any more, any more food. That's just where, like, where I set my boundaries. Um, but um, other than that, I, um, I put more weight on the company and, um, yeah, because I get more benefit, I think, from just being easy and just enjoying a company more than just worrying about what I eat, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I remember a few years ago uh, I came across Don Tom and, and he talked about uh, he talked about how quickly we can heal the body and he said fasting is quite quick, you know, then maybe juice fasting a bit less quick. And then I remember he always talked about eating raw foods for 90 days. And at the time I was like, how do you do that? Like, <laughs> what? Like, you, you must just eat like nuts and I don't know. Piece yeah. of food every now and then. Sounded really hard. However, it's interesting to me now that um, even on this podcast alone, um, it seems to be coming up a lot in my field because I think the further we get into our health and the more we want to expand our quality of life and our health, raw foods are a part of that because it's living food, you know, and we're not ruining the food by cooking it all the time or certainly not deep frying it and creating these toxic compounds on the foods at high temperatures and whatnot, you know. Um, so it's interesting to me that it keeps coming up. I'm actually conscious in my mind. I'm like, do I keep wanting to just talking about raw foods on the podcast all the time? People might get bored. But if we're serious about taking our health to the next level, it's it's kind of important, you know, to at least try and do it for a period of time. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be 100% for sure. And, I mean, I do say, okay, so I do raw food, but I consider my food as a living food. You know, not so much. So that's why I still eat, like I still do like miso, like I still do, you know, like natto. I still, you know, do cooked food, but that's fermented um, or like sprouted. Like all my, all my nuts are activated. Like, you know what I mean? So there, there's a difference between just raw food and living food. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think I, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, I think that's a really valuable point, actually. Living food is the, is the key thing there, you know. Um, it's alive and it's giving us the most energy, the most life force uh, mm. that it can. Um, you do some raw food uh, resets. How do they kind of work and what are the experiences that your clients typically have when they do that with you? Yeah, so I'm running, um, running raw food resets as well as advanced resets, so once, once a month. And that's a five-day, I suppose, experience of... Uh, so if you're doing a raw food reset, just just raw food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and so I've done, I think, four times already. And everyone just amazes. I mean, like all the people who used to come to the cafe, they, you know, they would say that too. It's like, why is this like so tasty? You know, like um, I think they just amazed with the, the, the flavor and the texture of the, like how, like raw food, oops, raw food can be just so tasteful. Um, and what then, are, what are some of the dishes that you, I guess, prescribe or, or make? During yeah, that? 
Yeah, so for breakfast, like it could be smoothie, it could be porridge, it could be chip pudding or, you know, things like that. Uh, for lunch, dinner, I mean, it could go also, of course, salad, but you know, I make a really tasty salad um, using different dressings. Um, we could do pizza, we'll do like lasagna, we do pasta with like alfredo sauce. Um, even do like curry and, you know, all that stuff, but just using, using vegetables and nuts and seeds and fruit, which is just so amazing. But I do use, um, you know, different techniques and equipments, you know, like dehydrator and we, you know, we do have to have like a blender and a food processor, um, you know, that sort of thing can, you know, can come, come in handy. But, you know, if you're just starting out, like if you've got a food processor and blender um, and if you don't have a dehydrator, use an oven um, at lower, lowest temperature and you can do, you can make pretty much everything. And yeah, so um, that's raw food. How, yeah. how, do you, how do you make a curry raw? Like how do you even do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we use a lot of, you know, curry, I mean, curry spices and because what we are looking for is just the same texture and same mouthfeel to the normal, uh, you know, cooked version of it. And that's um, so you kind of, you know, thinking about like the, f- the flavor, the, the, the creaminess, the creaminess, creaminess will come from nuts and seeds and then there'll be like saltiness and there'll be some tiny of the acid and like heaps of spices um, and we do concentrate the flavor in the dehydrator. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not watery, but it's just trial and error. Um, and the great thing about, I suppose, raw food is that you just taste as you go. You know what I mean? Even like, you know, when you make cake and you're making cakes and things like that, you don't have to wait for that to rise. You just taste and just, just. And that's just going back to your like intuitive eating and making things. And that's that I think that's like the most beautiful way to be creative and be in tune with what you want. Like cooking is just so beautiful, I think. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on intuition again. I actually I wrote it down like half an hour ago because a theme that has been coming up through what we've been talking about is intuition, listening to the body and really, and listening to the foods. Um, and by listening, I don't mean hold, hold an apple up to your ear and see what it has to say, <laughs> you know, tune into the energy and tune into your own energy. And I think it's so hard because from when we're born, like we are taught not to listen to our intuition in this world, you know, mom and dad are having a fight and you go out and you say, Hey mom, what's wrong? And mom, the person who raised you, <laughs> who, you know, has helped keep you alive says to you, oh, there's nothing wrong. And you're like, well, intuitively, I felt there was something wrong. But my mum, you know, who is this amazing person for me is telling me that that's wrong. And so then we start to have this discordance and that happens all the time throughout our life. And so then all of a sudden, you know, we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, whenever it is, someone says to start to eat intuitively. It's like, what the hell does that even mean? You know, I don't even know. I like, People are associating hunger with when they have, uh, you know, stomach cramps. Like, that's not hunger. <laughs> that's mm. your body cleansing and healing, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But when I eat, the pain point. goes away, you know? And, and so, we don't, we don't have this intuition and we, we, we're taught not to follow it. And so, I think it can be quite challenging for people to really 
to really do that. And I think, yeah, you know, I think it's it's just a matter of kind of slowing down, you know, and and maybe you're slowing down when you're having a meal. Eat a meal in silence, right? Yeah. You know, when was the last time we had a meal in silence? It doesn't happen, you know. Look at your food, think about your food, um, and as we start to practice that more, we realize that we actually have perfect intuition. We're certainly born with perfect intuition um, and we can rekindle that. And I think that allows us to navigate more of some of these, say, trickier subjects or newer subjects, you know, around herbalism or around medicinal mushrooms or raw foods or really anything in life. You know, (laughs) there's plenty of people out there who say, just follow your intuition. It's like, well, yep. If we could, <laughs> that yeah, would be a good yeah. way to make decisions, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's like the hardest thing that people actually like find the, like, what do you actually want? You know, <laughs> like, what do you want? What's your intuition? Like, what is the body telling you? What's your mind telling you? Because we're just so, <clears throat> so numb, I think. I mean, from what you've said as well, like growing up, as well as just like noise, you know, like when you're like living in the city, there's just like noise everywhere and it's, it's all the to-do lists everywhere. So I think a lot of people know when they go into the nature, I think we were just talking about it before we started too, they go into the nature and there's nothing else but the nature and you, you know, and yeah, just like looking up the sky, just looking at a tree. Like that's how you develop your intuition, I think. And when your body is clean and when you're willing, you know, you're open to the possibility and that's when your intuition grows. And then it gets, as we say, this is just, it's a training. You know, you have to undo all this numbness, right? And it takes a while, but yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, and it can be really hard too. Uh, it's interesting you say back to nature. I think that's, Totally on point. You know, I was chatting with a, a business friend yesterday and he said there's a global trend at the moment within business where uh, we're going from in the past it was control nature and now within business it's back to nature. And there's so much power in that. And just in what you just said, as, as we all know, you know, get your feet on the ground, you know, connect yeah. physically yeah. with the earth. Look at some trees, maybe hug a tree if you want to make your friends think you're weird. You know? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Go in the ocean. Um, and and I think that's a great way to reconnect with who we are and reconnect with our intuition uh, and, and learn more about who we are. And I, yeah. I think also too, those things come at similar times in our life when we might start to try to eat raw foods or we might start some medicinal mushrooms we might start to cultivate some more of our spirituality which perhaps in the past we just you know fobbed off as being some some woo woo you know as you kind of put it earlier and as we start to focus on all of those other things we start to experience more in life have more of a a tenderness uh and you know develop more of those things like compassion like oh, the Dalai Lama sure. talks about and that yeah. gentleness you know yeah well yeah because someone uh, that kind of it's funny you just mentioned him, but someone was telling me that he fasts once once a week because he wanted to um, know what it feels like to be hungry, you know, and this is a good reminder for him. Um, I mean, like we just going back to like fasting. Fasting is just so amazing that it cleanses your body and you're, you're so much more sensitive the noise to your thoughts like how you start arguing like in your head you know um 
Yeah, so fasting is like, I think one of the like most powerful, cheapest, because you're not eating, <laughs> way to um, wait that food for your health. And it's so natural. It's natural to be hungry. It's okay to be hungry. It's, it's okay to skip a breakfast. It's okay to skip dinner. Like people freak out, you know. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, a quote's coming to mind. Um, you know, we all know that quote, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Um, but the words that were said right after that, which I, I'm pretty sure that was Socrates, it might have been Plato, I can't remember the quote, but what was said right after that was, uh, but continue to continue to eat when sick um, is feeding the sickness. Um, you know, and it's... <laughs> It's so true, you know, we, we think that we need to be eating all the time and um, and we just don't. And touching on what you said too, you know, when we when we fast, I treat it like we pull the layers of the onion back. You know, we all know that metaphor. And, and what we find is if we go deep enough, like what is at the bottom and the core of that onion is love <laughs> and is gentleness and compassion and forgiveness you know, these things which are kind of lost in our world in a lot of ways, you really need to focus on them. And through fasting, we can get back to that point. And through eating raw foods too, because it, it's gentle and it, it brings us back to who we are. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that you're talking about love. <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's cool, you know, and that's, that's been my experience. And, um, oh, for sure. Yeah, I feel the same way. Mm. Um, you touched... Uh, briefly on on fasting then one thing i did uh, want to talk to you briefly about is um a fasting mimicking diet you know and i i know that fasting isn't perhaps accessible or doable for everyone and for whatever reason um how does a fasting mimicking diet actually work tell me a bit yeah okay so i'll just tell you a little bit of, of like my fasting routine to start so i do um about 45 46 hour water fast every week uh, maybe a bit more often. Um, and then I do about every three months, I kind of tap into more prolonged fasting. So it could be three days. I've done five-day water fast, but I think while I was working at the same time, it's, it was a bit hard. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's pretty hard. Um, but um, the science, uh, science does show that the most beneficial length of time that you water fast is five days. <clears throat> but, you know, doing water fast for five days is really hard for most of us. Um, but then the scientist um, or maybe a doctor, um, Dr. Longo, he found the way that you can still eat a small amount but get the same effect from five-day water fast. So that's the fast mimicking diet that he kind of started um, um, talking about. And so I, I kind of – I. I started to offering this advanced reset that's based on fast mimicking diet. So the first day is a bit more higher calories, about 1,000 something calories. So still like small amounts. Then from two to five days, then uh, you're reducing the calories even further. Um, so the first one or two days, depending on how you've been eating already, then you start getting into ketosis. So you're using fat. Um, as, as an, as an energy, energy source. And then um, autophagy starts, depending on the person too, but third, fourth day, 
autophagy starts. So that means that your body is actually clearing your damage in old cells. Um, so it's not even about this reset is not even about detoxifying because it, it, it does do that or weight loss programs, even though yes, people do lose weight from that. But it's more of that this cleansing is happening in the deeper cellular level. Um, yeah, so I'm like super excited about this reset that's happening uh, once a month. Um, it's it's not for everyone. I think, if, you know, those people who are going to participate, they need to be eating healthy um, already and maybe starting to kind of explore some sort of fasting. It doesn't have to be one day but or like 40, 40 hours or anything. But if you, um, if you can go longer than say 12 hours, uh, just starting to do some intimate fasting or something like that, then, you know, you are ready to do more advanced. But if you're, yeah, if you're eating like, a, I don't know, a sad diet, then probably this is just too advanced. But yeah, so this is the, it's more the fast mimicking diet. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. And so is it more like on those kind of second, third day, it's just more fats and things kind of? Yeah. Yes. It's the uh, particular like macro um, has to be applied for the diet. So I kind of cal- calculated all of that. Um, so that will lead to autophagy. So the protein should be low, carbohydrates moderate and more fat-based diets. But it's not like a, it's not a keto diet because you're still having uh, some sort of carbohydrates. But the most important thing is the, uh, the lowering the protein level. Because when you're fasting, you're kind of, you're not building right now. You're cleansing, you know, um, and you're getting rid of those like um, old and damaged cells. Um, so the protein has to be low. And then when you're, done then you start increasing the protein because you this is the time to build and it's inter- interesting thing is that while you're fasting your growth hormone level actually goes up so it's e- even easier for uh, for you to build muscles after fasting mm. yeah body just runs more efficiently right yeah for sure <laughs> yeah yeah um awesome this has been a beautiful conversation um do you have any questions for me Questions for you. I mean, what's your routine like? My routine, like just overall. Um, yeah, like a morning, like what do you do in the morning? Like how does the sauna, like do you have sauna every day? Like when do you, when do you have that? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, my routine at the moment is get up and, oh gosh, I sound like such a surfer now, but at the moment, since we've been living up here, it's get up and see what the surf's doing. Um, and if they're, whether there's surf or not, the first thing I kind of focus on is um, is some sort of movement. Um, I was doing meditation first thing for quite a while, um, but the last couple of weeks that's changed and that's okay with me. So um, get up and I'm either going for a bike ride or I'm going for a surf uh, or I'm going for a walk. Um, and then I'll come back from that and jump in the sauna if I have time. It's not every day at the moment, so it might be three times a week, I would say. Um, if it's, if it's rainy, I'll jump in the sauna. Um, and yeah, then I'll get out. Sometimes it's a cold shower. Sometimes it just rinse off. Um, and then I kind of go about my day, either I'll meditate then, um, or I'll find some time later in the day. Um, sometimes I'm still getting up and meditating first thing. So for me in the morning, it's, um, yeah, it's about movement. 
Um, it's about setting some intention and um, sometimes even I've been reading a little bit. I've been letting letting it kind of shift and morph, you know, in the past I'd be like so strict, like, okay, meditate for half an hour and practice gratitude and write this down and <laughs> do this thing. Yeah. I'm just kind of um, letting it flow a little bit more. Um, like mm. I said, sometimes I'm even reading in the morning now. I actually find it's a great a great way, um, a great time to read because we're still in this like theta brainwave state. I feel like the information goes in. Um, I was also trialing a thing uh, a while ago where I was, I would listen to theta brainwaves or I made this recording where um, I recorded um, some affirmations and beliefs that I wanted to program into my life over a theta brainwave um, sound. And then I would play that. I would wake up and I'd play that in my ears um, for the first like 20, 30 minutes when I'm still in that kind of slumber. Um, That's amazing. So like when you um, go into hypnosis, they put you into a theta brainwave state and it's like deep learning, quick learning in the first six years of our life, we're in theta brainwave. So it's just like, being programmed uh, and I had some beliefs and things I wanted to change. So I was doing that for a while when I was falling asleep in the evening and when I was waking up in the morning and I did that for six weeks and it was really cool. Anyway, so that's kind of my morning. And then, um, yeah, I'm eating, I'm eating raw foods at the moment. So um, I'm fasting until lunchtime. Like once we get off this podcast, I'll have, have my first food for the day. So just sipping water. Um, sometimes I've been having some lemon in there um, just to um, get some astringent um, juice into the body. Uh, and yeah, I'll break my fast at lunchtime with just a bowl of one fruit. You know, it'll probably be grapes today. <laughs> and then nice. in a few hours time, I might have some papaya. And then um, you know, <laughs> papaya again. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's <laughs> lots of good papaya at the moment. <laughs> yeah. But- and then and then dinner time will be a simple salad. You know, lettuce, tomato. Uh, capsicum, maybe a touch of avo, although I'm kind of minimizing the fats at the moment. Um, and, and, and that's kind of how I'm eating. And then, you know, over the dinner table, we're always um, sharing three things we're grateful for that day. Um, and then we stroke our ego. We say, what are three brags? You know, like three things that we kind of like. <laughs> that's you know, cool. I like that yeah, addition. Have yeah. a bit of fun with that. Um, and then after dinner, you know, meditate for a little bit, read a book. Um, been reading a lot lately. Um, that's kind of my day. So there's always some movement there. There's always some sweating, um, whether it's sauna or bike Mm. or, or, you know, running on the beach or even surfing can get really hot. Um, so that's really important. Eating really cleanly, um, is really important. Uh, and yeah, fasting, um, during the morning up until around lunch and, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and, and my partner is quite spiritual, as you know. So, uh, we have lots of great conversations. I'm learning more about the Zodiac at the moment. And so, my life is really like clean eating and learning and expanding and trying to experience the most that this life has to offer, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always say to people like, you know, like being healthy is not the goal, you know, of this life. Right, like we want to be healthy because we want to make an impact. We want to, you know, have a vibrant life, and we want to have amazing conversation with people, and we want to be a really good person. We want to be a good friend. You know, that's why we're doing all this like healthy things. Um, yeah, yeah it's, so- it's a really good point, Yoko. I when I was younger, I really I was like, I just want to be the healthiest person in the world. You know, and and hey, in fairness, that actually got me really far. Um, but when I got to this point of kind of 
arriving in a way at that point where I've done heaps of fasting. I'm eating so cleanly. I'm feeling amazing. My skin looks good. I have energy. I have sex drive, you know, all this stuff. I kind of realized, well, actually like the reason I was really doing it is so I can, I can, I can do things I want to in life. I can help people. I can share, I can educate, uh, from a place of health, right? This is like, it's the vehicle, you know, your vehicle is looking great. You look amazing, <laughs> right? You, you look vibrant, you know, and when we have this vehicle working and functioning optimally, then we can go about our life uh, from a better place, you know, and, and that's what health really is. It's, it's oh, being able to do life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm. Um, well, I'm going to just bask in the ambience of this um, conversation. This has been beautiful. Um, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Yeah, thank you so much. If people want to find out more about you, um, what are some ways that they can work with you and how can they find you? Um, I, I love hanging out on Instagram right now. So on Instagram, Shokuiku or... Um, hey, can you spell that? S-H-O-K-U-I-K-U. It actually means food education. Um, my background is Japanese and that's what it means. Anyway, oh, yeah. Um, and, or of course, website, shokuikuaustralia.com. Probably those two places, but yeah. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um and all the best with everything you're doing. I think you're doing some amazing work in the world and um, really helping people. So thank you oh, so much. You too. You too. Like you've been, you know, you've been such a big part of, you know, what I've been doing. So I'm really um, grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes. 